Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. It's the Game Day Premier League Preview Podcast from Talk Sport, returning as our first heavyweight clash of the season comes into focus. In the blue corner, big spending Chelsea with their speedy forward who looks like a nice little burner. In the red corner, the team that said they couldn't afford him, Jurgen Klopp's men from the cop, whose scoring last week couldn't stop. Coming up, the ultimate preview looks forensically at every Premier League game this weekend with all the eagerness of Ian Wright congratulating Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on his new contract. Got to see that on social. Also this weekend, Manchester United start their Premier League season against a team that don't want the ball and Tottenham, on the verge of a bailout, are heading to Sorry Saints who seem to start about as well as a car without any petrol in it. Roulette rivalry is back for the new season and after kicking the bucket in the cup, can Leeds march on together and get their first win over Fulham? Find out here on the Game Day Premier League Preview Pod from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Well, after a week of cup clashes, we're back into the Premier League action and there's no chopping and changing in our squad. We've gone full strength with the Mirror's Darren Lewis and TalkSport commentator and transfer guru Alex Crook. Let's hope you perform better for me than the Saints first teamers perform for Haas and Hootle in the cup, eh? Um, right, do me a favour, will you? Sum up in 15 seconds, just 15 seconds, Darren, um, the first week of the season for you, Alex uh, I think it's difficult to make too much of a judgment, to be honest. What I've noticed is that a lot of teams, and you mentioned Southampton there, they're a casing point. So are Spurs, Liverpool. They look a bit undercooked, not quite fully fit, and I think that's going to have an impact when uh, Chelsea and Liverpool meet this weekend. My season so far has been penalties. Ten in the League Cup, two key ones at Anfield last week. I've had more than Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you rehearsed that, didn't you? <laughs> uh, right, are we ready? The most important thing, courage, honesty, family. Let's go. Let's go together, boys. Boys, come on. Left foot on this near side. An outswinger in towards oh, Virgil van Dijk. Oh. And he powers the header into the goal. Messlier tries to keep it out, but he can only carry it into the back of the net. Oh. And it's 2-1 to Liverpool. Right in the centre of the goal, he's just... Waved his arm out to the left-hand side, as if to say, put it there. Jorginho goes the other way, rolls it into the right-hand corner. £200 million Chelsea up and running for this new Premier League season. I was dreaming as a kid to play in uh, the Premier League or play for Chelsea as well, because for me Chelsea is a very big club. Yeah, I'm very, too, I'm very looking forward to the time and um, hopefully it will be a very good time for me. Opportunity for a first hat-trick since December 2018 for Mohamed Salah against Ilan Meslier and to win the game for Liverpool. He steps up, left footed, drives it into the corner. The goalkeeper dives the wrong way and Liverpool have been gifted three points right at the very end of the game. Chelsea against the Champions Liverpool kicks off at 4.30 on Sunday. Chelsea will have to improve on what I thought was an average display at Brighton on Monday night, where if you look at some of the XG metrics, actually, um, they should have lost the game. And if they give up chances to Liverpool, they will lose this one, Darren. <laughs> Do you know, I have to say, I'm old school. I know all of the youngsters who are listening to this now are going to turn around and say, yeah, dinosaur. But I think Chelsea will worry less about the XG and worry about the real G. Because uh, the three-one up, 
And uh, okay, they may have deficiencies at the back, but they're going to deal with those when they sign the goalkeeper Edward Mendy from Wren. And once that happens, maybe another centre half, possibly a defensive midfielder, and they'll be good to go for me. I think they look in terrific shape. They've got a few injuries, lack a little bit of sharpness, but a full week on the training pitch might have helped Frank. From what you saw at Brighton, how can Timo Werner help hurt Liverpool? Well, he was terrific, wasn't he? I mean, his movement, he kept those Brighton defenders constantly on their toes. He's got pace. He's a very intelligent footballer as well. But I'm tended to agree with you more than with Darren, um, unsurprisingly, because I think defensively, there are still big weaknesses in that Chelsea back line, not just the goalkeeper. And I don't think Edward Mendy, by the way, is going to be a well-beaten goalkeeper. He's just going to be slightly better than Kepa, Aretha Balaga, which is not difficult. But they did give up chances. Reese James is much better going forward than he is defensively. They need to get Chilwell fit because Alonso is a bit of a liability for me. And I, I think Liverpool will have seen enough in that Brighton game to be confident that they can exploit those weaknesses and, and also stifle the threat of the likes of Timo Werner. And it's going to be really interesting to see if Kai Havertz plays at Anfield because for me, he was well short of match fitness and this is not a game that you can go into lacking intensity. I think he'll play by the time they get to Anfield, but at Stamford Bridge on Sunday, I think there's still a little bit of debate whether or not he might start. Sam, I know you're the judge here, but I'm sure you're going to let me come back, at, at, at Alex, because I just think that we all know that a goalkeeper's confidence basically transmits its or lack of transmits yes. itself to the back four. Um, I think if you look at Edward Mendy, he's a bigger goalkeeper, six foot six inches tall. He's more Massive. experienced, and I think the kind of goal that Brighton were able to score against Kepa, he, they won't be able to score against him. I think Kepa's confidence looks shot to pieces and that transmits itself to the back four Darren with all due respect I don't so, think so so important 19 goals conceded from outside the box since Darren, the start of the 2018-19 think... season I know you're a stats man Sam. Darren I don't think that, that, that they would score that goal from outside the box if you were in goal because you'd probably go down <laughs> at the right time I mean he gets down he, quickly for a big man he's still going down now you know, listen, Marina Grafskaya at Chelsea, she's done fantastic things in terms of getting big money in for players that the club don't want. I remember the money they got for Louise, Ramirez, Oscar. She's done some tremendous deals. Amazing. But they got stung big time on Kepa. Kepa doesn't look worth £35 million, let alone £70 million. And I think that if he does keep goal against Liverpool, I agree with you there, Alex. Liverpool will test him from all angles because he simply can't deal with balls into the box or balls from distance. But I think once they get Mendy, I think things will start to change and the confidence will come back into that back line. I think if he's in goal on Saturday, Alisson might be worth a bet for first goal scorer. Um, 95 goals in 159 games at Leipzig suggest that uh, Timo Werner is a leap-level striker. You mentioned Kai Havertz, though. He was a little bit quiet on Monday night, but I think he'll grow into his role. One of the main positives was his tracking back. He was excellent at doing that. Uh, he put the ball out of play a couple of times, didn't quite hit the mark with his passing. But This is a guy who hasn't had too much of a rest, by the way, because he went uh, deep uh, into the uh, Europa League with Leverkusen so I think what I've seen of him over the course of the last year he looks fantastic to me and I think Chelsea fans should be very excited about him we talked about Liverpool's defensive issues on Monday's pod Um, it's worth focusing on the way they scored against Leeds free kick corner and penalties two set piece goals which Chelsea will be vulnerable from but there's much more to Liverpool's attack than that It'll be a different game plan from Liverpool this weekend. It turned into a shootout against Leeds and partly because of Leeds' exuberance of being a newly promoted Premier League club. Maybe Liverpool fell into their trap to a certain extent. I think their game management will be better. I think it will be a more intelligent performance. I don't think they'll turn it into a basketball match. And I think they'll be confident that they can grind Chelsea down and that in the end their quality will tell. I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will have been targeting those set pieces. As you say, Virgil van Dijk is a real menace uh, coming up and attacking corners and free kicks. So if we're talking about first goal scorers, maybe he'd be my shout. What do you think about Chelsea being a challenger for the title, uh, Darren? A lot of people were talking about that because of the amount of money that they've spent. But have they got the wherewithal to stop Liverpool? And if they if they need to, if they are going to be a challenger for the title, they need to start taking points at home against other teams that are expected to challenge for the same thing. I think they've got more goals in attack, Kaya Havertz and Timo Werner. You look at Werner's record over the last three or four seasons. Mm. It's outstanding. I've got a spoiler alert. I, I, I 
was part of a, a small group of journalists who interviewed him this week. And um, the interview you'll see later on this week, but he is such a confident, exuberant young man who believes he can score at any time. And I don't think coming up against Liverpool will pose any problems for him whatsoever. But it isn't just him. Abraham can score goals. Mount can score decisive goals to cope with the pressure of wearing the Chelsea shirt. They've got Ziyech. final third. Ziyech, exactly. There are so many options in that final third for Lampard. And when you have those, you have a chance of winning titles. Yeah. They've got goals from midfield. And if they sort out that defence, that back five with the leadership of Silva and the, 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 the confidence of Edward Mendy, that deal will get done uh, uh, sooner rather than later. I think, yes, absolutely, I would have Chelsea in as title contenders. Everyone's talking about how good Rhys James is, uh, Alex, but ultimately he switched off a couple of times at the back, which would worry me a a little bit, especially for the uh, Lewis Dunk header, which really Brighton should have scored to equalise in that game. Yeah, that was one of the misses of the season on the opening weekend, wasn't it? And as I mentioned, I think Rhys James going forward is a fantastic player. What a goal, um, assists for um, the Zuma goal. goal as well. But defensively, he is gettable. And it's a decision that Frank Lampard's going to have to make because Cesar Azpilicueta was one of his go-to men last season, one of his leaders. Maybe he might opt to go for his experience this weekend rather than persist with James. But then it's very difficult to leave James out when he's produced that kind of performance. I think he'll play left-back Azpilicueta and James at right-back. I think he'll leave Alonso out as a result of that. And no doubt that Chelsea uh, will be looking forward to this. And no doubt that Liverpool were a little bit casual last weekend. And if history tells you anything, there's likely to be goals between these two. 5-3 just seven weeks ago. 2-0 to Chelsea in the FA Cup the last time they played at Stamford Bridge. 2-1 to Liverpool at the bridge in the league last autumn. And uh, that is actually Liverpool's only win in their last four visits and there is a little bit Darren a needle between these two clubs it's going to be it's not going to be as stark without the supporters there but there is always a little bit of a jibe between the two Liverpool fans go on about the plastic flags Chelsea go on about the ghost goal they played each other about 950 times in the 2000s didn't they they did um, and uh, it, there was always those jibes about one team having all the history and the other team not but Chelsea have made giant strides in the last 15 years haven't they uh, the game itself is going to have a, a big subplots obviously Timo Werner up against a club that wanted to sign him uh, decided that they didn't want to or did he decide not to go there uh, you pays your money you takes your choice I do agree with something that Alex said I think both teams will approach it very differently to the way that they approach their opening games because I think in those games they felt they could express themselves they will be aware of the capabilities of each other uh, of both sides Van Dijk will be very very interesting two mistakes in his last four Premier League games after one in his previous 154 matches uh, leading uh, leading to goals and I think as far as this game is concerned I think both sides will be far more switched on than they were in their opening games Fantastic effort from Rashford what a stunning goal What a fantastic free kick! We want to lift trophies, we want to celebrate trophies. It's about winning, winning stuff. Well, I thought they were probably the form team at the end of last season. They were playing exceptionally well. Here's Zaha stealing in to volley home and put Crystal Palace back in front. Non-stop, high-octane, complete entertainment. Manchester United take on Crystal Palace at Old Trafford at 5.30 on Saturday. It's live on game day. And last season at Old Trafford, Manchester United toiled against Crystal Palace, went behind early, took until the last minute to equalise, and then conceded in injury time. Um, Does the fact that Palace are already underway mean that they can take advantage of United's delayed start, Crook? Possibly. And they were very impressive, I thought, against Southampton on the opening weekend. Once they get in front, they can be hard to pen back. And what they're very good at is staying in game. So I don't see this as a one-sided goal fest as maybe some people are predicting. And there's a couple of fascinating subplots, isn't there, in the form of Harry Maguire, who we know will start. First time we'll have seen him on a pitch since his um, holiday incident, shall we say. How is he going to react to Mason Greenwood, who we know is had a talking to from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, Solskjaer very much of the Sir Alex Ferguson disciplinarian type. So does he, does he put Greenwood in the team this weekend or does he make an example of him? I think he'll play. I think having issued that rollicking, he will probably now put an arm around Greenwood's shoulder. But again, for an 18-year-old, first real test of character, it's all come quite easy to him so far. It's going to be intriguing to see how he reacts. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Jaden Sancho, 
but only Donny van der Beek has come in through the indoor <laughs> at Old Trafford. And, and we'll look at the transfers a little bit later on in detail, but where will we see Donny van der Beek actually play? And will we see him from the start? Will he be someone who they bring on from the bench? Is he there to supplement uh, the, the starting eleven in a way that maybe Jesse Lingard couldn't do towards the end of last season? I wonder if we might see him from the start, maybe with Bruno Fernandes in an advanced role, and maybe Donny van der Beek alongside uh, Paul Pogba. I, I am quite fascinating to see how that will work, that midfield, whether it's a two, whether it's a triumvirate. And and uh, we don't know whether Donny van der Beek might wait to get his chance. But it's a curious situation with Manchester United, but only two defeats in their last 25 matches last season. Yet, yet we all acknowledge that there are defensive issues that need to be sorted out within the Manchester United team. Also, what's the mood like after they were beaten to the punch, it looks like, by Spurs for Gareth Bale and with Jadon Sancho not, within reach Dortmund are playing a wonderful uh, they're playing a blinder basically and I don't think unless they paid £108 million that Dortmund wants he will leave that German club well I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll tease everybody by saying transfers are on the way and we'll discuss that in just a minute so stick around because there's quite a bit to get into as far as that is concerned let's talk Crystal Palace though because they're boring aren't they I mean really boring 29% possession against Southampton 5 shots in the game and uh, and they still won. I mean, you tipped them to struggle last week, Crook. Did you see anything last week that will make you change your mind on that? Just the Roy Hodgson factor, as I've already said, that, that they stay in games, they don't concede too many goals, they don't give up too many opportunities. They bored the pants off me at Bournemouth in the Cup in midweek before the never-ending penalty shootout. Obviously, they've strengthened going forward now with the likes of Michel Batshuayi and um, Eberichi Eze, who I wasn't particularly impressed with, I have to say, at the Vitality Stadium. I think, again, their big attribute is going to be they're going to grind out 1-0 wins, 0-0 draws. I still think they'll be there or thereabouts in terms of relegation, but probably Hodgson's experience will just about get them over the finishing line. There's a terrific stat with Palace. They've not scored more than two goals in any game, in any competition across the whole of last season, which I think is just a remarkable stat. I go back to my previous statement, Your Honour. They're boring. Um, and they're also winless in the last eight fixtures of last season and only scored twice in their last seven trips to Old Trafford. Um, but maybe Zaha can test that, that Manchester United defence. Luke Shaw is fit. We saw him play in a pre-season friendly against Aston Villa. And I wonder if that will give them a little bit more balance because this is a defence that was very sturdy at the end of last season, as we've already mentioned, kept a lot of clean sheets despite having issues and having to play a right footer at left fullback, do you think that they will look better with Shaw alongside Maguire on that left side of the defence, Darren? Um, I think they'll look better, but still quite unconvincing. They looked at Regulon, which the, the Sergio left back, uh, Sergio Regulon, would suggest that they still do have concerns about that position. But I think they might look a bit better balanced with Shaw coming back. There's always been a question mark over his fitness. Um, and his ability to be able to perform on a consistent basis. Um, they just need leadership at that in the back and they need a bit of pace because Harry Maguire doesn't have it. And I think if Palace are enterprising, maybe they could find a few chinks in their armour. You, your assessment, Luke Shaw, looking fit is different to mine. He clearly didn't get the memo wearing that zebra away strip that men of a larger physique shouldn't wear stripes. Uh, <laughs> Trust me, I'm a, I'm a man well-versed in the perils of double XL. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would go with Brandon Williams at left back this season. I think it's about time now that he was given a regular run in the team. It could be his breakthrough year. I think if they play a back three, then there is a role for Luke Shaw. But as an auxiliary left back, they need to upgrade. In that they, they, they do need to upgrade. And you and I had a conversation on the way back from our respective football matches on Tuesday night where I said to you, I think they do need to, to, to strengthen that period. And you thought, actually, I'm not entirely sure that's a priority. But in the modern game, you need to have really strong fullbacks. And the fullbacks are so important when, in terms of your attacking outlets. And if Luke Shaw really isn't going to be one of those who wins you the title. And if Manchester United want to, to win the title in two, three, four years' time, they've got to start building towards that now. So they need to invest in that area. 
Yeah, I agree. And they'll be disappointed. I think the fans, uh, probably more than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they missed out on Regulon. And my understanding is it came down to the various clauses that Real Madrid wanted to insert in the contract, the buyback clause and the option to match any rival bid that came in. United weren't willing to do that. When I said it wasn't their priority, I don't think it's Solskjaer's priority. Solskjaer's priority is to get Jadon Sancho uh, through the door. And that's really where all United's focus is at the moment. OK, we'll do that in just a second. First of all, Arsenal West Ham. The lovely chest control just inside the penalty area and a fabulous goal by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Another Arsenal goal. What I see from them is that uh, they want more and they are not satisfied that we want to go another step forward. Tierney into the area. Saka with the volley. Lovely turn. What a great finish that is. Realistically, we've been looking at top four. You know, I think that'll be a great season. For West Ham United, just felt like more of the same. West Ham nil, Newcastle two. Good performances give you a chance of, uh, of uh, getting points. If we can go there and play well, then it'll give us a better chance. Deeper ball, Allaire, 2 0. That is what he was brought to the club to do. GSB are getting hammered on social and outside the London Stadium. Uh, just to explain, GSB are the owners of uh, West Ham, Gold, Sullivan and Brady, and they're not very popular with the vocal sections of the support. Arsenal went through a similar sort of disconnect with their supporters, maybe not as vociferous as this, uh, but the two meet on Saturday night on TalkSport. Darren, how do West Ham solve this? By trying to stop uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the match itself and by really investing in a defence worthy of the name in the longer term because I think if they can start to keep clean sheets and they'll start to maybe get the odd goal to win matches and appease the fans, at the moment the fans are very unhappy at what they see as a lack of investment. But to be fair to the owners of the club, they backed, they went big in backing uh, Pellegrini and Pellegrini let them down massively. And that's why they're left with a squad of players that they don't want. And in midweek, they played a, a front line worth hundred million pounds in against Charlton in the League Cup. They are stiffs because Pellegrini invested in players that were not good enough for the club. That's poor judgment on the board's part, though, isn't it? In trusting Why? someone like Manuel Pellegrini, who, let's be completely honest, had got to the stage where he, his career was, was petering out. He went off to China prior to arriving at West Ham United. And he, he was never really that engaging when he was at Manchester City and probably should have achieved more with the squad that he had at the Etihad. I only partly agree with you. I do. Uh, yes, uh, the City thing. Yeah, he was. He, played, he won the league, but just couldn't do it in the Champions League, and that's why they replaced him. I think, as far as West Ham are concerned, they felt that was a bit of a coup to get somebody who had been at City working with big players. And at the time, West Ham fans were happy. And I was at the Man United game where West Ham beat them um, in uh, Pellegrini's final season, and then they fell away because goalkeeper got injured. They put the Roberto in he was absolutely you could keep goal better than Roberto and they fell like a stone and I've never been a Pellegrini fan I feel sorry for David Moyes because he's been passed a a really a hospital pass with with the squad that he's got but they are trying to invest in their defence just one small thing another bid for Tarkovsky he's a good player his numbers are terrific but you know we have to start when we complain about the transfer market being inflated. This will be one of the deals you look at because we can't complain about clubs going for foreign players and then looking at the amount of money that clubs are demanding for domestic players who are good but haven't played Champions League football, haven't been in the top four, really. Suchek I like. Rice obviously we'll discuss in the transfer section as well as Tarkovsky. But Bowen I like too. But ultimately, endeavour, work rate and energy only take you so far. There's not enough craft in that team, which sounds absolutely ludicrous because they've got so many number 10s. Just none of them seem to fit into the system or inform Alex. Well, the trouble is they've got so many number 10s, but between them they've got a heart the size of a pea. Um, when you look at Felipe Anderson, Manuel Lenzini, Yarmolenko never stays fit. I think to go back to your point, the uh, Pellegrini appointment was an egotistical one. It was West Ham's owners going autograph hunting. They were talking at that stage about challenging for the Champions League. That wasn't a realistic expectation. And they're paying the price now. Had they have stuck with David Moyes and, out, uh, and given him the funds to mould the squad in his own image at the time, they would be in a better position now. And You know my views on David Moyes. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination he's a top-level manager. But West Ham are not a top-level club. And I, I do think their supporters, and this is probably going to, 
alienate an entire fan base on my part, have delusions of grandeur. When was the last time West Ham won a major trophy? Yeah, but, but Alex, let me come back. I know we've got to move on, so I'll be very, very brief. You talk about it being a delusion that they were challenged for the Champions League. When Payet was at the club under Slavin Bilic, they were in the hunt for a top four place until the final what month or so of the season. Results went against them. Decisions more specifically went against them. But they are a club who are who are justified in thinking, hang on, if we could do that then with a wonderful player, maybe, maybe we might get lucky again and do all that. I hate this idea that the big clubs can think about that, but the other clubs have to stay in their lane. Why can't they dream big? Well, Leicester, if they get anywhere near the top four in the next decade, I will do a podcast naked. You always right. offer I that. I want you to record that, Sam, yeah, and Lou behind a glass. Please, you're, please, you're please. You always please, offer please. that. Why, why do you think that we would want that? Why, why would that be our prize? It's, it's public it's demand. Not so it. much a prize as a forfeit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Arsenal. They play the ball from the back through the thirds, involving everyone in the team. That's the idea. that They like to pull you out of shape. West Ham's back line don't look solid enough to deal with that. Arsenal, big favourites here for, for a reason. What did you see against Fulham that you think that uh, is there any chinks in the armour that West Ham can exploit here? No, because I think that West Ham's forward line is so detached from their midfield that I just don't see how they're going to get in behind the Arsenal back four, which is far more organised under Arteta. And up front, they just have such killer instinct. Mm. William down the right-hand side is fantastic. Aubameyang is in razor-sharp form at set pieces. Garabrell is a danger. I just can't see an area that West Ham, this current West Ham side, are going to be able to exploit. OK, that game's live on Saturday night on TalkSport with Alvin Martin and Alex Crook. Right, let's delve into Crookie's contacts book. Good to talk. Um, so what have you got for us? What's uh, heading the agenda? Well, that's a stupid question, isn't it, really? Because <laughs> the entire say. world is talking about Gareth Bale. Um, and apparently, from what we read and hear, it's a done deal and he's on the way. Yeah, I'm not sure it will be completely finalised in before this podcast hits the airwaves. But yeah, Tottenham, very confident now securing a deal for Gareth Bale. We're starting to get some information, read the figures as well. I think it's going to be around about £20 million in terms of wages, uh, of which they're picking up around about 50% and a loan fee for the season as well. That looks a pretty good investment for me, albeit for a 31-year-old who hasn't played too much football. But I think as much as anything, Darren, this is a signing not just to lift Spurs on the pitch and give them an extra attacking option, which they've been badly lacking uh, both at the back end of lockdown and at the start of this season. It's going to lift the fan base as well, a very disillusioned fan base after what they saw at the weekend. I'm also hearing it's not so much a Jose Mourinho-led signing, but it's Daniel Levy who's really been pushing for this one. It's almost a gift to his manager and to the Tottenham fans. And this is basically Tottenham going all or nothing, isn't it, Darren? I like what you did there. Um, I think, yes, uh, they're, they're saying you're unhappy with us after a really uninspiring first game of the season. Everton looked far better, particularly in midfield than Spurs did last Sunday. And so here you go, have Gareth Bale back. And you look at that forward line now, Son, Kale and Bale. And I, I think that they will be able to score goals against anybody. I think that's Problem the vegetarian is. version, Son, Kale and Bale. Um, I, I knew I would get that wrong eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it looks quite meaty to me. <laughs> I look at their team now and I think, wow. It, I mean, I'm actually I'm actually impressed by it. You know, if they played at back three with Sanchez, Alderweireld, Dyer, then Doherty on one side, Regulon on the other side, Hoybier in the centre with Lacelso, bit of craft in there, maybe Harry Winks uh, dipping in at times. Bale, Kane and Son up front. Crikey. I mean, it looks like a team that should be raising expectations and I'm sure it will. Well, it should be. But and again, in the final third, terrific. In the middle, yeah, I get the craft. At the back, I'm worried. Poor defensively last season. Dyer for me, is not a centre-half. I think he should be playing in midfield. I think they should have gone out and got a leader at the back to, because when they did well under Pochettino, they're the toughest... I say this every podcast. They're the toughest defence in the Premier League joint toughest with Manchester United and since Pochettino's gone the Spurs can always be got at they can't cope at set pieces they need more strength at the back Interestingly one name you didn't mention Sam I don't think there was was Deli Alley and it is difficult to see if Mourinho is, is going to possibly revert to um, three at the back and four in midfield with Doherty and Regulon where Deli Alley fits into this system He's off isn't he? Uh, and you mentioned those front players. The, the, the problem Deli Ali has got is, is where does he go? Because I'm not convinced there's any club in the Premier League who could afford him. I know Antonio Conte 
uh, was a big admirer when he was at Chelsea, so possibly a pathway to Inter Milan. I'm also not convinced, despite what's been suggested um, by Gabby Agbonlahor on Talk Sport, that the relationship between Deli Ali and Mourinho has broken down quite as badly uh, as he said. Mourinho, certainly in his press conference yesterday, was very complimentary of Deli Ali. He said he's a good boy, he's not causing me any problems. So, this is one that I think will run right until the end of the window, but it's going to be fascinating to see how it turns out. And what else you got for me? Well, Jaden Sancho, we mentioned that, and I think he is the main reason that Manchester United didn't pursue this deal for Gareth Bale. I'm not sure Bale signing would have fitted into their strategy now of trying to revamp the squad um, with young players. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I'm told, is still very confident of getting this deal done. The personal terms are pretty much agreed. He's not going to push for a move, Jaden Sancho, but he would like to join Manchester United. It's just a case of if they're going to pay the £108 million that Borussia Dortmund want. I don't see Dortmund budging. Again, it will go right to the end of the window. But I think Jaden Sancho will be a Manchester United player come October the 6th. This is Borussia Dortmund. It's not some club on the outer rim. It, it, it is a big institution. Why do Manchester United just think because they're Manchester United, they're going to get the, the, the job done? <laughs> Even though Michael Zork has said repeatedly, no, no, we gave you the opportunity to sign the player and you didn't take it. This deadline's a myth. If, if Manchester United bid £108 million... Historically, that's, front, that's, that's not the case Dortmund with Dortmund, sell, though, is Darren? it? Listen, I agree with you both, and, and I truly, I think there is a lot of arrogance about the idea that you can just say, "We want the player. We're not going to pay you what you want. We're going to pay what we want, and you're going to sell him to us." It's not going <laughs> to happen because Manchester United always pay whatever they're asked to pay in the end, don't they? That just always happens. And um, let's talk about uh, solving Chelsea's uh, defensive problems. Then they've got uh, Thiago Silva, but are they going to add Rice, Rice, baby? <laughs> Well, West Ham are bracing themselves for a bid. I was speaking to someone quite close to the situation um, a couple of nights ago. Declan Rice, much like Sancho, is very keen to make the move to Stamford Bridge, not least because of his relationship with Mason Mount, and we shouldn't underestimate how close those two are. But again, he's not going to be seen to force his way out of West Ham. If Chelsea want him, they're going to have to pay the top dollar. It would probably take a bit of £70 million. Even then, with all the scrutiny the West Ham owners are under at the moment, I think they would find it difficult to sanction that deal. They are expecting a bid from Chelsea. It just remains to be seen when that actually is uh, put up on the table. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. It's time for the roulette rivalry uh, on the Game Day Preview Pod on Talk Sport. That's where we get producer Lucy involved to dish out three games and we pitch our expertise against one another as we have to preview the games. No notes off the top of our head for 45 seconds. It's all done at random. Darren Lewis, Alex Crook and I uh, will see just how good we really are. Um, Lucy, hello. Hello, you're all right. How's your summer been, all right? It's been okay, but I also think um, in recent weeks I think I've had a bit of a midlife crisis. Oh uh, no! Because I've dyed my hair now uh, pink. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why? You're twenty-four, aren't you? Yeah, it's hit early. <laughs> 
I did it on a whim, and that is also one of the reasons why my webcam isn't on. <laughs> is it? Could I, could I? Could I just ask you whether or not it's it's bright, shocking cerise pink, or one of those sort of sort of like wash in, wash out, faded pink dyes? Well, no, it's supposed to actually be semi-permanent, but I've washed my hair three times and it's still as bright as ever. Um, and it's more, I wouldn't say pink pink, it's more of a, uh, to use a football term, more of an uh, Aston Villa claret. Oh, okay, so it, so it didn't work very well, so you did it badly. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Shall we get on with roulette rivalry? Yes, and I just want to clarify that one rule, really important rule again, no notes. Yeah, crook, so uh, stop looking at your screen. No screens. No screens. Screens right, off. Right, let's kick it off with you, Sam. Oh. And I'm going to give you Everton v West Brom, and your time starts now. Um, well, the Baggies looked out of their depth in their game against Leicester. They were right for the first half, but once they conceded the first goal, they seemed to get pulled apart. They played a system that they hadn't really played at the end of last season with three at the back in that game against the Foxes. And ultimately, class told towards the end, made some rash decisions, gave away two penalties in that game. They won't be able to do that against an Everton team that have got some great creativity. James was brilliant on debut, spinning the ball in behind, creating a hub of activity on a uh, on the on the right hand side of a front three for Carlo Ancelotti and I really like Dominic Calvert-Lewin his towering header his powerful desire to get there and get that goal which won them all three points at Tottenham certainly would be too much for for West Bromwich Albion I don't I was going to say Everton didn't really give that many chances to Harry Kane so they're not going to give that many to Callum Robinson are they but anyway uh, let's move on next Darren Lewis mm. and you have Newcastle v Brighton. Any time uh, starts uh, now. I'm quite torn with this one because Newcastle looked so good uh, in their opening day win and uh, Callum Wilson's goal will give them the world of confidence. But I look at Brighton as well in a fearless way that they went toe-to-toe with Chelsea even after falling behind. I love Lamptey as a player. Um, White in central defence looks as though he is going to have a big season. Morpé is a good striker who I think will get goals as well. I think this one might end up as a draw because both of them can score goals. Both of them do have defensive chinks in their armour. Um, if I was to edge one way, maybe it might be Newcastle with Carroll up alongside uh, uh, Callum Wilson. Maybe there might be the makings of a bit of a partnership there. But overall, I think because they've got That's Well done, Darren. Um, Last week I said that the new blood wouldn't be enough to keep Newcastle in the Premier League. A week on, all three of their big-name rivals, Fraser, Hendrick and Wilson, have scored goals. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Matterface. Rather than the team talk, they played your comments. (laughs) They played our pod. Of course they did. Everyone's playing our pod. Uh, Lucy, uh, what's the final game for Crook to preview? I'm giving you Crook... Last but not least, Leicester v Burnley. And your time starts now. I was surprised a little bit by Leicester um, last weekend. When you look at the injuries that they have and their lack of real transfer activity, obviously it will do Castagna the world of good that he's come straight in and scored a debut goal. He looked pretty good defensively as well. So they seem to have found a a budget replacement for Ben Chilwell. Um, Burnley obviously have had an extra week because they didn't play on game week one. That could work in their favour you could argue the opposite and they may well be undercooked we didn't talk too much about James Tarkovsky lots of speculation about him and West Ham my understanding is he's got no interest in a move to London Stadium and will still be fully committed to the Clarets cause so I think this is going to be a really intriguing contest a clash of styles obviously Burnley direct under Sean Dyche Leicester who'd like to play the ball out under Brendan Rodgers I expect goals actually she said stop I didn't hear her Oh dear. Um, James Tarkovsky, the subject of another bid from West Ham United, and he's already made it clear that he's not interested. It's like it's like people on Tinder that keep pressing match, match, match when you've already swiped the other way. You sound like oh. you're talking from experience there, <laughs> I've never I've never I've never ne- never used it. Uh, not my own anyway. Had you there. <laughs> <laughs> but it does remind me of that film. He's just not that into you. Just give it up. Just give it up. Move on. Find somebody else. Crikey. Okay, after a good end uh, to last season, has Ralph wrecked it? Terrific Southampton goal on the counter-attack. And it's no surprise to anyone that it's 
Danny Ings who finishes it off. We hopefully we can play as good as, as at the end of the last season. I don't want them to think they can win trophies. I want them to think they can win matches. No mistake that time from Harry Kane. He scores you goals at a rate money can't buy. Game day back in all its glory. Sluggish Saints decided to keep basically the same team in the Carabao Cup against Brentford, but still lost. We talked about our surprise over the fitness of Saints, but you were taken aback, I think, Crook, by the comments of Ralph Harsenhutl post-match to you at that Brentford game. He said, and we just heard him there, talking about the psychological and physical deficiencies of the team. Surely that's his job to sort out, isn't it? Yeah, he also said that some of the players hadn't looked after themselves in the close season as well as they did during lockdown, which surprised me given yeah. the short turnaround between campaigns. But it, it, you're right, it is Ralph Hasenhutl's job to get his players in the best possible condition. But I also think the said players need to take responsibility because if you look at Southampton, certainly the past three or four seasons, historically they start very slowly and then end up playing catch-up. Quite often it actually costs managers their job. So I do think there is a a mental problem in, in that dressing room that Ralph Hasenhutl needs to address. I think quietly he's also a little bit peeved that he hasn't been given the backing from the board that he would have hoped for. They've only signed two players this summer. Carl Walker-Peters, who obviously was there on loan. Mohamed Saliso, a centre-back who we've not seen yet. They need a midfielder um, to replace Hoybier not just in terms of on the pitch because he was poor there last season, but he was a big character in the dressing room. I think they probably still need another forward option. We had great hopes about Shea Adams this season from what I've seen in the first couple of games. Maybe those ho- those hopes were misplaced. It isn't Haas and Hootel's team and he's been there long enough now and he's earned the right to spend some money, I think, to, to make them contenders. But we knew they weren't going to spend any money, so he must have done. Yeah, and, and I guess you could say... <laughs> Maybe that's a surprise that he signed such a long-term contract. But on the other hand, if uh, he is going to go the same way as most Southampton managers and gets fired, he may as well do it with a safety blanket of a long-term deal. The worry for me is that he he named such a strong side against Brentford. Ten of the 11 that started against Crystal Palace started again. They were outplayed by effectively Brentford's B team. What's he going to do this weekend? Who, Who can he take out and make an example of there aren't too many players because they haven't got much in reserve um, that game is live on Talk Sport on Sunday at 12 o'clock at Southampton against Tottenham and Saints have lost three of their last seven home games not a great record and they're just uh, they're taking on a, a Tottenham team that are wounded and buoyed at the same time so wounded from last weekend's game but buoyed by the, the influx of two new players which may not be ready for the weekend but certainly might be by the time they play their big one against Leighton Orient uh, the week after um, they're terrible on the road though Tottenham aren't they they've won just four of their last 19 away games in the league last campaign uh, Newcastle Aston Villa West Ham and Wolves I mean they travel about as well as Dennis Burkamp Darren yeah, you've killed me with the stats there because I was just about to come out with a couple and then you've done that bit ahead of time. But, you know, you're absolutely right, Sam, to be honest with you. I, You know what I'm disappointed by? I'm disappointed that a side like Southampton, who won undefeated in their last seven last season, uh, winning four, I'm disappointed that they've not looked at the League Cup as a possible yeah. route to maybe get some early season silverware, maybe build on the optimism of last season. They haven't started well in the first game, but this was an opportunity to really get their season started, really get the winning habit back uh, within the squad, and they blew it. And I'm disappointed that a Brentford side, as Alex was saying, could outplay them. Wholesale changes in the side, but that shouldn't be what Southampton, a club like Southampton, are doing in a League Cup disappointed by them and I think it might be a good opportunity for Spurs to get their season up and running on Sunday The team talk in the dressing room um, is always one of those fabled myths isn't it about the influence that, that, that certain players have in the dressing room or what the manager says before they go out having watched that Tottenham documentary I'm slightly perturbed by the basic nature of all of the team talks it doesn't matter who it is everything is up here it's up here and come on boys come on boys that's about it I mean I I was expecting some sort of inspirational Churchillian speeches that took place but every single half time team talk and pre-match team talk seems to be the same it's just come on boys let's be aggressive let's throw a few expletives out and and, and that will be enough I mean maybe there's a lot of tactical information that they're keeping back from us because they don't want us to understand how they approach games especially seeing as Jose is very much in the infancy of is a relationship with Tottenham and, and, and obviously we'll have to use those plans going forward but I mean I, I, I have a, I have, either that or he's just 
not very good tactically because I haven't really learned anything about the tactics of the game by watching this documentary. Has anybody else? It's distinctly Sunday League, isn't it? When the, when the Come captain on, boys. gathers them in a huddle and does the team tour, all we're lacking is a smell of deep heat and the star striker smoking a fag in the in the toilet cubicle. Like you, I was a bit surprised and Harry Kane tried it, then Lloris and Harry Winks, I was watching last night, yeah. actually, after I got back from my game. And, uh, they all said the same say, thing. It's just a few, few F-bombs. <laughs> let's get out of here, let's come on. And uh, yeah, I, I guess maybe we've all been hoodwinked over these years that we think what goes on in, in Premier League dressing rooms is more sophisticated than what happens on Hackney Marshes. It clearly isn't. Marching on together, Leeds United are the hipster's choice this season. Yes, all the opta-swallowing, ankle-swinger-wearing, beard-trimming, hemp-eating football supporters love Bielsa. And why wouldn't you? He's entertaining, isn't he? Uh, but they've lost two out of two so far. But you'd expect them to beat Fulham, Darren. Uh, yeah, I would do uh, because of the way that they go about their business, because of their energy in midfield, their cutting edge up front. At the back, um, they're still a little bit dodgy. I'm not sure whether Liam Cooper will be back. If no, he I is, don't think then he is. No. That, well, there you go. Then I, I, I think that Fulham might have a chance. Uh, Mitrovic scored in the League Cup in midweek. That will get his confidence up and uh, the optimism up within the squad that they do have that cutting edge for the top division but I still do think that Leeds will beat them uh, Leeds were rubbish on uh, Wednesday night but um, they changed they all changed 11 the players slide, oh, I went to the game and it was uh, it was still entertaining but they were just they weren't very good um, but uh, Rodrigo actually does a lot of running but as mentioned it on the pod last week I don't think he'll get that many goals um, it's got a great penalty across though. the last three seasons yeah. it, it suggests that and 14 in one season movement. Well, yeah I mean come on the, yeah. the, 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 he doesn't score enough no. he, his movement's terrific and yeah. he'll bring other people into the game he's got a decent assist record but not enough goals 4-27 in, in the league last campaign uh, Fulham's defence isn't much different to the last time they were in the Premier League though and they looked a little bit leaky against Arsenal Crook are they going to concede 81 goals again like they did the last time they were in the top flight well, I was listening to one of our newspaper colleagues at a game I was at at the weekend and, and he was basically saying that Fulham came up with Tim Ream a few years ago and got relegated. They came up with Tim Ream last time they were in the Premier League and got relegated and they've come up with Tim Ream again and will probably get relegated. I think it's an issue for sure. I, I was a bit surprised by the choice of goalkeeper on game week one as well. When you've brought in an experienced campaigner, surely you would put him straight into the team. I didn't understand the decision to rest Mitrovic either. Will Mario Lamina feature this weekend? There's some questions already for Scott Parker. And I agree with Darren. I think this is a game Leeds United need to win. And I think in some ways this is going to be more of a test of their Premier League credentials than Liverpool, which was almost a free hit. They were playing on adrenaline 16 years. They waited to get back in the big time. Again, they're going to need to play, I think, with their heads more than their heart, which is what they did at Anfield. Well, Scott Parker wants redemption for that season in the Premier League that we just mentioned. The, 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 they played Arsenal last week, so you can't judge everything and it is, it is too early. But they've got to target this game, as, as Crook says, if they want to, to stay in the division. Games against teams that are also going to be trying to stay in the, in, in the competition. And Darren, the goalkeeper decision is an interesting one, isn't it? Because Rodak obviously did very well in helping them to get to the Premier League. But if you've bought in Alphonse Ariola on loan, you use him, don't you? I mean, maybe it was the proximity of the deal being completed and that's why he was on the bench and hadn't had much time with his teammates. Maybe he felt as if Rodak deserved a chance to play in the Premier League after getting them there in the first place. But ultimately, if you have Ariola, the French number two goalkeeper on your bench, he plays, doesn't he? Well, I asked uh, Scott Parker that very question after the game last weekend. I was at the match and I, I, I was incredulous, really, that they had managed to pull up that sign. Uh, the only thing I think off the top of my head that maybe he they hadn't signed him in time. But also, to be fair to Rodak, as you said, he did very well. They put him in last October and it, it, he, he'd done very, very well from that point onwards to help them into the Premier League. But when you sign a goalkeeper of Ariola's ability, he plays, regardless of whatever your previous goalkeeper has done. And if he doesn't play, then all the other clubs who he could have signed for will turn around and say, well, what have you done there? Mm. I, I think he'll play. I think he'll keep goal. I think he'll give them confidence. But they do need an upper centre-half. They need it need a bit of leadership because Arsenal did it far too easily last weekend I don't think that uh, Leeds United played just with heart at um, uh, Liverpool on Saturday I thought actually they were tactically spot on they go man for man all over the park and that 
upsets you. I thought intelligently they attacked the space in behind Trent Alexander-Arnold as well down on their left and, and Liverpool's right, which is where Jack Harrison got his goal from. Um, and uh, took advantage of some mistakes as well. And I thought Pat Bamford scored a very good goal, but took a, an opportunity, a half chance to poke it beyond uh, Alisson after a bit of napping from Virgil van Dijk, an uncharacteristic error. Um, but he also had an opportunity to score before that, which he should have taken. And that was one of their big issues last season. I mean, he had the worst first uh, shot conversion rate of any other striker who scored over 15 goals last season in the championship of 12.8%. And, and they missed so many big chances. I think they missed 89 big chances last season in the championship, yet still won the division by 10 points. So if they can, it, they're not going to get as many chances in the Premier League. Is that a bit of a worry? Definitely, because we've mentioned already that Rodrigo is very much a one in four man. It was a bit of redemption, I think, for Patrick Bamford scoring that goal because he's been much maligned in the championship and certainly even Leeds fans are not convinced that he's going to score on a regular basis in the Premier League. And Darren's highlighted their defensive deficiencies. If you're not particularly prolific up front and you're giving away chances, then that's a recipe for disaster. And maybe we're overestimating Leeds a little bit this season because I think most people think they're going to be comfortably safe from relegation. But if they don't improve defensively and they don't bring in another forward, then maybe it could be a more difficult campaign than many people think. Yeah, but as you say, the top division is very, very unforgiving. If you look at the Fulham performance, for example, they were actually in the game at 1-0 and then the goalkeeper makes a mistake. Gabriel shoulders it in and it goes between his legs. Fine margins because after that, Arsenal go on and win easily. Same thing with Leeds. You can't basically have hard luck stories by the end of this campaign. If you can't score goals, you'll get punished in this division. And I think that what they, what Bamford will need to do, and to be fair to Bamford, I know he's he's been very vocal with Talk Sport when when people have come on to Talk Sport and said, look, maybe he's not a striker for the top division. Like, give me a chance, come on. And I think we should give him a chance. Uh, that goal last weekend will do mm. wonders for his confidence. I was delighted for him, to be frank, that he was able to score it. And I think he'll go on a run. And maybe it might be that they've got a partnership there. Him and Rodrigo opening up the spaces for him to create those opportunities for him to maybe prove a few people wrong. All right. OK, well... That's about all, uh, football friends. Game day is back this Saturday with three live games on TalkSport. We'll be back when you wake up on Monday morning to review all the action uh, with Matt Holland and look ahead to Monday's clashes too as Manchester City start their season with a trip to Wolf. See you then. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.